Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with With daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping an Oklahoma Sooners victory for the Kansas Jayhawks. It was a much more of a nail biter than I was honestly expecting. Uh, and then we're going to look ahead to the Kansas State game coming up in Manhattan this Saturday. To help me do that, returning to the podcast, it's Kyle Davis, one of our writers over at Rock Chalk Talk. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I appreciate you jumping on here while uh, Fetch is a unavailable for the next couple weeks like i said last time i'm going to bring in a a nice uh, stable of the riders that we have over at rock chalk talk to help fill the void there but uh i promise all of our you know analysis is going to be just as insightful as ever we're going to lean on all of the same general format so you guys hopefully won't notice too much of a difference other than the fact you know that that uh we we don't get the random sports minute from fetch but that's quite all right so Kyle Oklahoma uh, that game was, well, strange, I think, is an, is a nice way to put it. Uh, Kansas won that game 67-64. There's a lot of, I think, random storylines that we could pick from here, whether it's Remy Wilson or... Uh, I, why did I do that? My last guest did the exact same thing. Said Remy Wilson, and I got it in my head. Remy Martin, not playing very many minutes, even though, you know, he was cleared for a hundred percent from what I understand. And it didn't, according to Bill self, it wasn't a, a knee issue. Um, Jalen Wilson having another strong performance overall, uh, you know, Ochai Abaji banging his wrist on the, on the possession arrow and, you know, being out for a, a good portion of that game of like all of the different things that happened in this game. What do you think is the biggest thing that we should talk about first? Well, first of all, I think, Remy Wilson could be a national player of the year. Yeah, uh, I know. There, so I, I actually made that exact that. same uh, comment. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, so there's, you're right. There's no shortage of things to talk about. I think I'll start at the very, very macro level, which is in, 
like I, I texted this to someone afterward. I think I tweeted it out too. Like never, never take a road Big 12 win for granted. And I think especially this year, you know, I saw earlier today, I believe now every Big 12 team qualifies to where a road victory is a quad one victory or even a road loss is a, is a quad one loss. So like there is no, just the front, the top to bottom of the league is so tough that, you know, it, yes, it wasn't exactly the prettiest, but that you don't complain about road wins in this league when you get them. And I think one of the things that stood out and and I didn't realize this until they pointed on the broadcast because everyone thinks about Stillwater being this cursed place that that KU had lost three out of four meetings in Norman ahead of this game. And so I went back and looked and surprisingly enough and funny enough, the like you had the 2020 team was the only one that came away with a victory in the last four years before, uh, before I guess this week on Tuesday. So, you know, Winning already, we're, we're at January 20th, and we have two wins in the state of Oklahoma, where that's historically been pretty bad. I would say you take that. And then, yeah, when you add in, Ochai is out for an extended period of time in the first half. Uh, you know, there's at one point, I think the lineup was like Harris, Brown, you know, like I think KJ was at the three, did Jalen Coleman lands at the four, and then Mitch at the five. Like these are just some weird linemen. You were missing shots, I think missing some some layups and bunnies that wouldn't normally be missed. All that to say, the guy stepped up late and made plays when they needed to. They gutted out a victory. Ochai showed up when he needed to. And, and I think at a high level, especially just because Norman, how tough a place that's been lately. And and the Sooners are a good team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're an NCAA tournament team. I think Porter Moser's done a good job right off the bat here with some, some new players. Like, it, yes, it wasn't the prettiest, and there's a lot of things to discuss. But you can't complain too much about the outcome, you know, looking back 48 hours later. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually looked at where they are in bracketology, but I would assume that if you're looking at the bracketology right now, that they're going to be, you know, easily in the field at this point, like nothing to be worried about. They are ranked 35 at Ken Palm. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a fairly good team like you're talking about. Um like if if I'm looking at it now, I don't think there's any real concern unless they go on a gigantic losing streak that they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, I, I actually just looked it up. They are a nine seed as of right now, according to Joe Lenardi over at ESPN. So I mean, yeah, they, they're they're safely in the field. Um, and kind of to your point, like this was a a very very weird game, but going down to Norman is you know and and getting that victory is a very big accomplishment. Um, especially when you think about all the different things that happened in this particular game. Um, yes, Ochai Abaji going out because of injury and then coming back. I mean, he still ended up with, with double-digit points. So, you know, that was that was definitely a, a good thing. But, yeah, there were some really weird lineups uh, that, that were thrown out there in this one. Um, you know, I, I am kind of curious, though, and, and I'll definitely get your thoughts on this, but, you know, it, it was they made a big deal about Remy Martin coming back. You know, he was warming up, and of course, it's been Remy Watch ever since the the rumors came out about there being some tension going on behind the scenes. And regardless of what your thoughts are on that and, and kind of that entire, how that story developed, the fact is that Bill Self and Remy Martin, there's something going on there. Like, I wouldn't say it's quite to the LeGerald Vic type of, you know, doghouse situation or something like that, but but there, there's definitely something going on where Remy is not getting or is not performing the way that Bill Self wants him to, whether it's a, you know, expectations uh, need to be reset or something else needs to happen. But there's very clearly some sort of tension 
not really sure what it is, that's keeping Remy from playing the way that we know he can play, the way that he showed he could play at Arizona State. Um, how worried are you about his ability to come back? Because we've been hearing now for a couple of weeks that, you know, his knees at a hundred percent. Um, so if, if it is some sort of injury issue or some sort of lingering issue, it doesn't seem like it's a physical thing. It's more of a mental getting back in the swing of it. But are, are you, are you worried about him so far at this point? Or do you think we need to see another, you know, four or five games before we really can evaluate where he's at? Yeah, I think we're going to need a little bit more time. I guess what I would say in terms of the fear, and and this probably goes into it too, you wouldn't have thought this, I don't think, at the beginning of the year, but Kansas is still a Final Four team, even with Remy Martin as a role player, because they have been deep with, you know, Dwan Harris has stepped up and, and you don't necessarily, you know, Yesafu has, has been kind of up and down, so has Pettifer, but there's enough depth of the guard position that one you're right you, this is a different team when Remy's playing well and that takes him to a whole nother level and you would obviously rather have that but they also I think they're so deep there that that uh, Remy does not necessarily have the long leash that maybe others were when there's no one behind him you know Bill Self I think is maybe thinking to himself uh, that's fine I'll just keep you know Duan in there, the poor, and, and and keep going that way and and making Remy prove it. So you're right. I don't think he looked hobbled necessarily on Tuesday. I do think he looked maybe a little out of sorts in terms of recognizing the the defense and the plays. And he just looks like maybe there's been some, maybe just some chemistry loss over the last couple of weeks where he's been out where he's just not, you know, there's, there's a certain feel. And you could tell this was a perfect example of when, when you had Harris, Wilson, Brown, Brown, and and like McCormick on the court together, there was just this chemistry. The ball was moving so much better. The offense was clicking. It looked amazing. And then when you had some of these weird lineups, you just could tell that they haven't played together a lot. And with I think Remy, it looked like he hasn't played with this group much lately. So you're right. I don't think it's nothing. I, I but I also think it's something that potentially could be worked through with a little bit of. Uh, at a time getting back. And it's, it's, I think it's going to be something he's going to be struggling with all year, which is this, these battle of these two, either not playing hero ball, but also not deferring too much. And there's this middle ground that I think both he and self are maybe trying to get to or self trying to pull him to where it's just not been the smoothest transition there. And that's where we're going to probably see the most of it. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say is I don't think you're ever going to see you know, Arizona State Remy, and and that's intentional. Like, they didn't bring Remy Martin in from Arizona State to do the exact same thing that he was doing there. Like, he came to Kansas and came back to Kansas instead of going to the NBA because it was an opportunity for him to develop his game, to, you know, develop additional skills. And he has a lot more opportunities to kind of do a similar, or I'm sorry, new things at Kansas that he wasn't able to do at Arizona State, where he had to be the guy that, you know, provided all the offense and had to do a whole bunch of stuff while he was there, this gives him an opportunity to kind of show the complimentary stuff that he can do. And and it almost seemed to me early in the year that he dove way too headlong into that. You know, when you have so many different other options to score, when you have so many different guys that you can dish to, and, you know, the one thing you need to show that you can develop in your game is not trying to be the guy that always plays hero ball, you know, show those complimentary skills that are actually going to give him an opportunity to have a long career in the NBA – um, it's it's almost like he dove way too far into that to try to to show like, hey, look, I can do this. I can always do this if I really need to. 
um, you know, it, it's definitely been helpful at times, but you can tell that there's kind of a timidness and a, and a, you know, inability, I think, to know exactly how he needs to get integrated into this team. And I think part of that, though, is what we've talked about on the podcast here multiple times is that there's so many different options that when you're not getting consistent playing time with the same group of people, it's it's hard when you get into new situations to know how you're going to react. You don't have that chemistry where you just know what's going to happen. And we also have to remember, you know, that Remy Martin was dealing with with uh, injury issues early, early, like right after uh, boot camp. Like there has been a lot of time that he's missed practice time to develop that chemistry. There's been a lot of time that he has not gotten the reps that you would normally get, you know, those sorts of things that allow him to build that chemistry. So it is just a matter of time. You hope that he can get out there more. Like he needs to be playing more than 15 minutes if he's going to develop that. But you're right. Like if we, if he gets relegated to a role player the rest of the year because of all the talent that we have and because we've gotten a lot more from Dewan Harris than most of the commentators and, you know, most of the fans thought we were going to get, um, it's not quite as important for Remy Martin to be the guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by, I had asked at Big 12 Media Days, Bill Self, like who the energy guy was, who's, you know, who's the guy that comes off the bench and really kind of, sh- um, you know, changes the direction of how the team is performing, you know, and brings that jolt of energy that they need. And he said at the time, well, he thinks that Remy's that energy guy. And, and everybody, I think, at the time just assumed that, well, Remy's going to be out there 35 minutes a game because he's a starter. You know, he's like the, the main point guard. And I don't think everyone quite appreciated just how far Harris has come. Yes, there's still, you know, times where he lulls everyone to sleep with his offensive output because it's honestly not that great. But there are times where he flashes and can really score a whole bunch quick. He got seven points to start this game. Like he got seven of the first nine points in the game and then didn't score the rest of the game. Um, so like there's definitely a lot of off and on there with Juwan Harris, but he's provided a lot of the things that I think we expected Remy Martin to provide by default because we didn't think we really had anybody else that could do it. Yes. Um, Remy is much more offensively, you know, sound and, and much, has much more upside offensively um, but, you know, if you've got so many other options in Ochai Baji, Jalen Wilson now, Christian Brown, you know, all the guys on the inside, like you have other options to get to get your points. You don't necessarily need Remy to provide it. So if he doesn't have a clear role and he's still trying to figure out what he's doing, then him being the guy that comes off the bench for 15, 20 minutes a game still like doesn't hurt the ceiling of this team. It does, however, make it a lot harder for him to get, you know, on a roll and get to the point where he is contributing um, substantially for this team in something more than a role player. So the, the hope is that, you know, him not developing it now isn't something that we come back to bite us later if we need to have him play a whole bunch. You know, I, I talked about KJ Adams and how the times that he's gotten significant minutes, he almost looks lost because he hasn't played. He hasn't been in that situational stuff. And, and I think it's a little bit more understandable with him because he's a freshman, but you have to worry about, especially with how complex sometimes Bill Self's play calls can be. Um, you do have to worry potentially about, you know, if Martin or some of these other players, because there's so many options, if they're not out there on the court getting those reps, you know, when you need them in the in the NCAA tournament, are they going to be able to deliver? Yeah, and I think the good thing for KU fans, the last thing I think on, on this is just the fact that it is time is on your side, at least for now. It's only January 20th. No one is going to look back and really care too much what he did on January 18th, if he, if he comes out and he's clicking as, as part of this team. And again, when I say clicking, I'm not saying like, you know, 20 points a game are necessarily Malik Newman and, and the NSA tournament, but even just a reliable, you know, 25 minutes, 10 points a game type guy. Um, 
then no one's going to really care too much about what he did in January. Yeah, for sure. All right, other other players for this game that we need to talk about. You know, I honestly thought that Mitch Lightfoot with nine points was our best big man um, through ugh, through large stretches of the game. Yes, David McCormick, I think, was in there and did a lot defensively. Um, but I mean, what what were your thoughts about the down low play? Was that just a kind of a uh, I guess a side effect of the way that Oklahoma plays on the inside, or is there some like was this a Looking at the stat line, this was not a great game for David McCormick. Was this a step back that has that has you wondering how consistent McCormick's going to be the rest of the year, or was this a situation where everything was off for everybody, spacing was bad, like there was a bunch of other exigent circumstances that made it hard for him to get on the role that we need him to be on? Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, one, I I will not pretend to predict what David's going to do on any given day because I I. I don't have that kind of crystal ball. And I don't think anyone does. So, but I would say it was a weird game. And I think the way that, that Oklahoma kind of approaches defensively, especially with the, uh, you know, it's actually kind of shades of some of the, the Iowa state principles as well. And, and, and whatnot. But I, this was also just a weird game where it, and honestly, this is again, why you don't take them for granted and why you win, because this is one of those where, every close shot was rolling in and out. You know, Harris had that one off the putback where it, it, he makes a 98 out of a hundred times. And so, uh, the, yeah, it was weird. There was weird lineups. I feel like there was not really much consistency, but I also don't think David necessarily played bad in terms of, it, it seems like he was pretty instrumental in getting Tanner Groves off of his just comfort level. I mean, Groves, I think, I don't know if this was karma for the NCAA tournament game, but he couldn't hit anything for most of the game. And I don't think that was nothing. You know, I don't think David McCormick had zero role in that. I think he defensively just did enough to kind of get, you know, make sure that Groves always knew where he was. And the other thing was, I think David still, like, he had that excellent bounce pass to Wilson in the corner for a three. I thought, like, this is a very little thing, but I thought his screens and the way they worked through some of the pick and roll action and, and different things were, were really good. So I would say it wasn't a great stat line game for any of the big guys, but it's also kind of a weird game. And I also thought he and some of the others still did some little things that probably don't show up as much, uh, but actually were great. I mean, like McCormick had three assists a game. Doesn't seem like much, but if your five man's dishing out some open threes just to help the offense, then, then that's a, that's a good sign for your, how your offense is flowing. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny because I'm looking at the Ken Palm numbers and assuming that my recollection is correct, their offensive rating on Ken Palm actually went up after this game. They, they were four coming into the game. They're now three. Um, <laughs> which, which yes. And, and, and I believe that the raw number went up as well. So like, it's one of those things, this Oklahoma defense is nothing to sneeze at. Like it's a very good defense. Um, you know, this was a very defensive game as we've seen time and time again in the big 12. Um, you also look at what McCormick did, like just to kind of, you know, latch onto your point there. He had three assists with no turnovers. Like I think that was big. The fact that he didn't turn the ball over. He had Candace's only block in the game as well. Like, um, but his, his passing was a lot better. And I think that's really the biggest benefit from McCormick playing well is not even necessarily his scoring. Although when he goes off, it's helpful. Um, in, in games like this where points are super hard to come by, his ability to pass from the interior to, 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 to the outside to get good shots has allowed Kansas to kind of stay in games where they necessarily, um, 
you know, not necessarily should have been able to stay in games just by the way that everyone was playing. So this was definitely, I think, a big thing um, in an encouraging sign. This is the kind of game where, yes, he didn't get a lot of points on the on the stat sheet, but he did a lot of other things that if you watch the game, you see how the flow was a lot better. The spacing was a lot better. And, and kind of to your point, Tanner Groves didn't go off because basically nobody went off in this game. But Tanner Groves was a guy that I was worried about. He didn't he didn't shoot well at all. Uh, he was 0-4 from 3. And that's, you know, there were definitely several times where McCormick was actually out there um, kind of helping to disrupt what he was trying to do from the outside. There was a couple of times where David was, you know, latched onto him a little bit too much and there was a cut to the basket, which is what Oklahoma like, likes to do, you know, is is pull everybody from outside of the lane and then cut inside. That burned them a few times, but it seemed like Kansas adjusted that pretty well, especially down the stretch. Um, and they just had what was another worrisome, like, we can't hit the broadside of a barn stretch in that second half there where they barely scored anything coming out of out of the break. Um, are you worried at this point that we're consistently seeing – so many stretches where Kansas just can't hit anything. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, because I think you do have to. I mean, the the gauntlet of defenses that the Jayhawks have gone up against recently is interesting. The conference overall has been. It's you know, it, I think it's. I mean, you see the scores around the league. Like it's it's tough for any team to break sixty five points in a game, and so the the especially on the road i think you know these things like mentally again like ochai's out like I, I think there's there's probably some stuff there um it was just one of those where i don't think now in the second half in the middle of the second half the the ball kind of stuck they didn't look as you know they, it just looked like things were a little little i guess complacent or stuck in the mud but for the most part like the offense was running pretty well. It's just, it wasn't finishing. And so that's kind of one of those things where, you know, I think it's another thing, just perspective. I mean, when you're talking about the play of college kids too, not professionals that, you know, these, these stretches are going to happen and that you hope and what keeps them in it is that they can, you know, just like the the bad stretch at the end of the first half, then they can turn around and start the second half on an eight Oh run. And then yes, they're going to, you know, get down again, but then Ochai can hit two threes in a row and they're immediately back into it. And so, uh, you know, that's again, why I would say like the way that they closed it out kind of took away some of maybe the, the bad taste in your mouth, uh, in terms of the offense. And I will say this, my, my kind of last take on the offense and especially this game, it's a bad time to say it, but I'm going to say it. Uh, I still think that the offense is better when Harris is aggressive and I know he shot two for eight, but he's proven that he can finish at the rim better than this. And, and having someone, you know, we saw what happened last year with Marcus Garrett when he was a complete non-factor on offense. And I think Harris still at least keeping defenses honest and getting to the basket. I think he'll finish more often, not better than, than he did on Tuesday. I mean, we saw it at the end of the Iowa state game. We saw it in the Missouri game. I do still think that the offense is better when he is, going downhill and getting to the rim and trying to be aggressive versus, you know, pretty passive, like we've seen in some other games where he has two or three attempts for the game. Yeah. I mean, kind of to your point, there was definitely some issues here where it seemed like not just Harris, but everybody seemed to like, you know, have, have issues with finishing. And that it's not that the offense wasn't flowing well. It's that when they went up for the shot, you know, most of the time they would be making those and they just wouldn't fall. Um, and that's going to happen at times, especially with a team that, you know, shoots as many jump shots as this team does. 
Um, but it's also, I think, a, a testament to how strong the defense is that they didn't really let the game get away from them. Like, Oklahoma went on an 18-2 to run, I think, at one point early in the second half, and Kansas was still only down by, like, six. So, like, the, the, the fact that they were able to build that lead and make it take so long that they could stay in the game for as long as they did until the inevitable explosion came um, was was definitely a great sign for them. I, I do agree. I don't know that I'm necessarily too worried about the offense yet at this point. Yes, you would worry about, like, I would be much more worried about it if if this team was giving up big stretches of points at times, um, like really, really quickly and consistently throughout games. It seems like Kansas is good for one huge offensive explosion each game and good to give up, you know, one huge run because they just can't hit anything in each game, which is really, really weird for this team. But, um, you know, really, I think what it came down to, though, just, uh, well, really, I think what it came down to is that none of the shooters, especially after Ochai hit his hand on the possession arrow, seemed to look very comfortable at all for the rest of the evening. But, but uh, you know, unlike the lack of comfort that they had, if you, as a fantastic college fan that really, really enjoys uh, your your college sports, want to be comfortable, you should visit sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most vi- most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers. They have more than a hundred different schools that are available, and they're adding a whole bunch of new ones all the time. Uh, big news Saturday is starting up again. You know, this weekend with Cincinnati, they have seven additional schools for Big New Saturday season three. Uh, my understanding is that all of them, or if not all of them, then almost every single or almost all of them are basketball centric schools, uh, which means, you know, this would be the perfect time to drop like a, you know, a Duke that they don't have or a Gonzaga or, you know, a Kansas. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any information that I can tell you guys. I don't have any insider information at this point to tell you what is coming, but I will let you know if you want to have a whole bunch of really comfortable and great, uh, college apparel, vintage apparel that looks fantastic and is super comfortable. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code chalk 12. You can get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping. Like I said, big new Saturday. It's going to be absolutely great. I am jumping on the bandwagon there and and actually getting all of these because I'm super ecstatic about what is coming, even though I don't know all the actual school. So um, I, I promise you, you will not be disappointed, but head on over to homefieldapparel.com, promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off that entire first order. And I guarantee you're going to find like five, six, seven or more things that you want that are going to really help fill out your, your wardrobe there. So, all right. Um, just one last final thought, you know, here, I, I do think that this team especially in this, well, not especially in this game, but but in this game, they still turn the ball over on 21% of their possessions, roughly, which just seems like it's too high. That's my big worry for this offense is that they do seem to have stretches where they just turn the ball over a whole bunch. Um, but despite all that, you know, they still have a fantastic shooting percentage, a raw shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage. Um, you know, and, and like I said earlier, have the number three offense rated, according to Ken Palm, in the nation, um, so I don't know again that it's too much to worry about. The defense is continuing to get better. And I, I don't think that those things are going to move very much because you look at what the offensive strengths that there are here in the conference. There aren't a whole bunch of them. The defenses are actually phenomenal. So even a, you know, quote unquote off night by the eye test is going to rate out pretty well because of just how good all the defenses are. So any other final thoughts about this game or, um, you know, anything that we've seen recently? I think just to your point about the turnovers, yes, it's it's a little high, and I'd like that to be cleaned up, but it also seems like a little bit of cost of doing business with this offense because the ball moves so well. Like when it's right, it, it's just beautiful to look, but then there's times where 
okay, they're a little too unselfish and they make one too many passes and then it, you know, it, it, or, or they're, they're trying to force something maybe too much on like a backdoor cut into the lane and, and it gets kind of off someone's knee and, and whatnot. So like, Yes, I would love to clean it up, but it's also, I think the way it's happening is worth. To your point, I do think that the speed that they play at opens up a lot of opportunities, but does make them more susceptible to turning the ball over, unfortunately. So yeah, I agree. It's just the, the cost of doing business at this point, something that we're going to have to live with for the rest of the year, I think. So, all right, I do want to go ahead and turn our, our, our attention forward to the Kansas State game. But before we do that, I need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. And we're back. I'm joined by Kyle Davis of Rock Chalk Talk. We just got done talking about the Oklahoma game and, and recapping that. We're going to look ahead now to Kansas travels to Manhattan to take on the Kansas State Wildcats this Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, the KU women lost uh, on Wednesday in, in the first edition of the Sunflower Showdown for the year between both the men and women's teams. Um, and so the Jayhawks on the men's side are looking to avoid a Manhattan sweep uh, this week. Hopefully they're able to do that, but let's go ahead and jump right in. Looking at this team, I mean, you know, you normally would think that there's not really much to worry about with this team, but uh, they did just upset Texas on the road. Um, I'm not sure how much that actually says, given my thoughts on Texas, but Kyle, what what worries you the most about this Kansas State team as Kansas is getting ready to play them? Well, I think that, what helps, honestly, in a weird way is the, the fact that K-State's won these last two, it kind of I think has gotten some attention now that it's, it takes away some of the trap game kind of feelings looking ahead to Tech and into Kentucky next week. So I think it's actually probably in a weird way a good thing that they've won two in a row because now it's, you know, KU's forced to take them a little more seriously. But I can't, I also, I, I'm trying to figure out to your maybe specific point. So it, it seems like a first to 70 is going to win because K-State has not scored 70 points in any Big 12 game yet this year. The, the most they've scored is 68 and lost to West Virginia. But the other thing is, if you look at it, they're, they are great at taking away the three-point line, or at least uh, teams are, are shooting 6% against them. But it, it, I, this is kind of almost – I'll throw this back to you. Do you did you realize, because I did not, how bad the Big 12 is at shooting three-pointers this year? Um, I haven't actually looked at it specifically, but I know that there's not a lot of teams that do it well. 
Uh, but there's also well, a I can tell you if you if you go ahead. If you take if you take just conference play, then there's only three teams that are shooting better than 31 percent from three, and that is Baylor, Kansas, and uh, Kansas State actually at 35 percent. That's so there's a whole lot of the yeah, Tech is shooting 26 percent Big 12 play. Oklahoma shooting 28. TCU is fourth at 31.6%. So my point is, is that the numbers would tell you that K-State is great at limiting the threes. It's also hard to tell, you know, teams shoot poorly from three against them, but also they haven't played any teams that shoot great. Like they haven't played Baylor yet. They haven't played uh, Kansas yet. Uh, I don't think they've played TCU yet. So all of, I guess they did once and they lost to them. So all the teams that are, are the best shooting teams that they really haven't faced. So I'm interested to see what, I guess, what's real about it because I'm not sold on how real, I guess, the the defense is for K-State. But to your point earlier, there is no bad defense in in the Big 12. Then it's just hoping that they don't get hot from three themselves and hit, you know, seven of, of 16 attempts and then make it a game because I do think 70 points probably wins this thing. Yeah, it's weird, too, because, I mean, you look at conference-only defense and, you know, Kansas is the best defensive team in terms of guarding the three. Kansas State is third. Um, And so, like, I I do think that part of what Kansas does, like, they've benefited from playing, um, you know, a Texas Tech team that doesn't shoot the three well anyway, an Oklahoma team that doesn't shoot the three well, an Iowa State team. Like, you you look at who Kansas has played and they are facing or they have faced already in the Big 12 um, you know, for basically teams six, uh, eight, nine, and 10 in terms of three-point shooting. So, uh, yeah, they, they definitely have benefited, I think, from scheduling in terms of, of who they've actually faced, which helps with their defense. But, but to your point, like, there aren't a lot of teams that actually shoot the three well. Um, you know, Kansas State, I don't think, is probably going to shoot it nearly as well. The one thing I will say about Kansas State, they have shown an almost Texas Tech-like um, tenacity in terms of, you know, not really having an individual player that's going to beat you, but a whole bunch of people that get up in your face and play defense in such a way that it just bugs the crap out of you. Um, you know, they, they upset Texas Tech at home last Saturday, um, you know, and it was one of those things where it was like, okay, they, they beat Texas Tech by out, by out Texas teching them, like by, you know, doing everything you can to make the game as ugly as possible. That was a pretty ugly game. Um, you know, and then they did a similar sort of thing to Texas. Like they, they kept Texas from really shooting the way that they wanted to. Kansas State got hot for a, a small stretch of that game, but it really just came down to the fact that, that this Kansas State team, I think, is a lot tougher than most people give them credit for. I don't know that like Bruce Weber has shown that he's doing any of this specifically. I think it's just the fact that the talent they have and, you know, the fact that they do have so many great defenses here in the conference, it's kind of you know, risen what we expect from a lot of these teams. Um, yeah, I just, again, there's so many great defensive teams here. Kansas State is right there in the in the thick of it. You know, they are number 23, uh, according to Ken Palm, which I think puts them smack dab in the middle if you look at, you know, season-long numbers. Um, yeah, it's just, this is definitely going to be a very defensive game, kind of like you said. I don't, I don't know that Kansas State has the offensive firepower to win – a shootout, obviously. So I'm not necessarily that concerned about it, but um, any individual players that you're worried about, or is this truly kind of like my, my impression of them 
a team that doesn't really have a guy. They just have a whole bunch of guys that can be pretty annoying. Yeah, I will say I, you know, because a, uh, a guy who probably is at least somewhat familiar to KU fans, Mark Smith, because he played in Missouri the last couple of years. Uh, he looks a lot better in Manhattan than he ever did in, in Columbia. And the numbers support that too. So I think he's been a lot better than what they've, they've given or maybe what they thought he would be. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. Like they've, they've got four or five guys like Nigel Pack, Selton, uh, Miguel, like they, they're all just, I think any of them are probably capable of, of, beating you and, and doing well on any given night. Uh, and I think the thing I'm interested to see about most is, again, another trend with a lot of these Big 12 teams is K-State likes to play fairly slow. They want to limit the possessions. They worry about defense. Like KU is at its best when it can get out and run and when it can can go live off of turnovers. Uh, and so I, I'm interested to see what the tempo is like and who can get the upper hand there. Can KU speed K-State up? and play faster and play out in transition or is K-State going to do what, you know, maybe not, they're not quite to the level like a Texas tech has done in the past, but I think they're definitely in the level of like Iowa state or West Virginia, where they are perfectly fine kind of walking the ball up, getting things set. They want to play in the half court. And so I'm curious to see which one wins out in this game. Cause again, that's going to probably determine, you know, if KU can get to that 70 point number, because the more possessions they have, this offense is going to prove it's going to hit enough shots to score. It's whether they can get enough possessions and play fast enough and, and shoot well enough to, to you know, on a road environment, hopefully they, they get the, the rims to bounce a little more friendly than they did in Norman. Yeah, I mean, to your, to your point about the speed, like Kansas State, when you look at what they try to do, they they play about sixty seven and a half possessions per game, which is you know a fairly a fairly slow pace. Um, whereas Kansas is about seventy a game. So uh, yeah, they they definitely like to keep it slow. Um, Kansas really wants to speed it up as much as possible. And and honestly, Kansas' number has come way down over the course of the season, mainly because they get into Big Twelve play, and there's a whole bunch of you know teams that really really want to push it. I'm sorry, that they, they, they really don't want to push it. They really want to slow it down. Um, and so so Kansas has definitely um, kind of slowed down over the course of the Big 12 conference season. And I expect that to kind of keep going just with how with how strong all these defenses are. If you're a good defensive team, naturally, you're uh, causing your opponent to go deep into possessions typically, um, you know, or you're just turning them over. Like either way is is, is great, but it, it limits the amount of points that can be scored kind of to what you're you know, looking at there. So yeah, I'm definitely, I, I think I agree with you. The, the first of 70 wins. Um, I, I don't know that I'm too concerned about Kansas ability to get to 70 unless they're just going a complete, you know, 12 minute stretch of not being able to shoot anything. But um, you know, I, I definitely would be worried with this Kansas state team, kind of what we talked about, you know, going into Manhattan um, you know, it's the one game that they get up for every single year over there. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it could cause some problems for this team, especially if, you know, something weird happens early that causes them to lose their composure a little bit. Uh, just the hope is that, you know, Bill Self lights that fire under them to to get them back to where they need to be pretty quickly. And, and to bring it kind of full circle, I also think a correlation probably can be made between KU playing slower and Rene being out because he in himself at the point has a strong motor, likes to play fast, likes to get up the field quick or up the court quickly and transit. And 
I'm, I'm curious, once he gets back to full full strength, I wonder if, if that also will kind of help the, the tempo numbers as well and how that he, he's kind of like him and playing fast. To your point, yeah, it's kind of like the um, the uh, immovable object versus the unstoppable force of, you know, you've got the unstoppable force of him trying to run downhill and then the immovable object of, of these big 12 defenses. So I am really interested to see that. And, and yeah, I think this, you know, K-State is going to be amped up for this. You know, the crowd is going to be the best one that they have all year which is why, again, I think it actually helps KU that they won their last two games because now it's one thing if if Bill Self's telling them, hey, listen, they're going to be amped up. You got to be ready. And they're sitting there at 0-6 in the Big 12 and they have eight wins all year. Like, it's hard to right. justify that. Yeah. But if you can show him, hey, Texas Tech just tried to sleepwalk through there and they got got. They went down to Texas. Texas probably thought they could have an easy one. They got got. Don't be like them that wakes them up a little more and that probably sends a better message. So actually I hope, you know, that's the hope is that K-State now is, is and maybe the timing is actually kind of a benefit for Kansas from a mindset perspective, because after what we've seen the last week, there's nothing, there's no reason they should just walk into Manhattan and assume that they're going to get an easy win just based on what we've seen. Yeah. To be honest, like in the big 12, kind of like what we talked about at the beginning, you, you can't take any of these road, these road wins for granted. Like, this is a very, very strong conference in terms of, of home field advantages because of the way the defenses play. And honestly, defense, like strong defensive games benefit the home team most often because, you know, as long as the, the crowd isn't completely dead, the refs are going to want to typically try to benefit the home team more often than the road team because they don't want to get yelled and screamed at the entire game. Um, you know, so it, it's definitely one of those things if you're playing – good defense and you have a reputation for a good defense, you're probably going to get a lot more of those calls. Um, so, but, but looking at the game though, I'm like, I'm looking at the profiles and like, I don't see anything that Kansas state actually does well that matches up at all with what Kansas is able to do well. So, I mean, is there anything that you're worried about in terms of what Kansas state tries to do or what a specific player can do that, that is going to be a problem, you know, unless or I'm sorry, that that would be a problem even if Kansas doesn't play poorly. I yeah, there's not a whole lot. You're, you you it does. You're right. On paper, it looks like a favorable matchup. The one thing I guess you would give K State credit for is that they don't turn the ball over very much. So you're not they're not giving up a ton of extra possessions. So that that is in their favor. But you're right, they're not a great offensive rebounding team. So it's not like a West Virginia where you got to be worried about second and third opportunities on any given possession. They're not much of a rim protecting team, you know, just like they don't block a lot of shots there. This is one where you would think not only McCormick, but like Jalen Wilson should be able to get to the rack, I would think. Um, and, and guys like uh, Christian and, and Juan. So you're right. I think it's going to be one of those things where you see the upset is K-State doesn't turn over the ball. They shoot it well from three you've got the crowd behind you that kind of, and then KU just has an off shooting night and maybe some yeah weird stuff happens where you're not getting rolls or you're getting, you know, in case it's dominating the free throw uh, margin, because even they don't get to the line a whole lot. And so, yeah, on paper, it seems like a good matchup, which obviously then scares you because you, you feel like as soon as you know exactly how it's going to play out, something weird's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, looking at this, like I think ultimately what the key of the game is going to be is how well does Kansas state defend the three with, with how many options Kansas has. If, if they can get open shooters, I don't think it matters how good Kansas state's defense is because you know, they're, they're fifth best in the country. 
and third best in the conference if, if you look at three-point defense. Um, so, like, it's one of those things where, you know, if they can if they can get up in shooters' faces and, and avoid open threes and Kansas doesn't start making a bunch of them, um, that's going to help them a lot to stay in the game and really get to the point where it could be uncomfortable for Kansas fans. Um, you know, Kansas, I think their main strategy, obviously besides, you know, taking easy points inside if they can get them, um, they need to get three-point shooters going early, and they need a lot of different three-point shooters. Like, this has to be a game where Harris goes and just shoots. Um, he has to be able to shoot multiple three-point shots to open up the floor, to open up that spacing, to force Kansas State to respect what he's doing. Um, otherwise, Kansas State's going to be able to lock down on what it is that Kansas is trying to do, and it's going to make it a lot more difficult than it probably should be. Um, looking at everything, I just I have a hard time looking on paper um, you know, at, at a way that Kansas State realistically comes away with this game. But, of course, it is a rivalry game. You know, it always happens that, that you get into these rivalry games and you throw pretty much everything out the window. I mean, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have thought we would get a stool incident, you know, <laughs> that that uh, kind of marred the the last time that we went out there. So, uh, you know, there's always weird stuff that happens in these games. I'm expecting something weird to happen, but hopefully it's not too far out the realm of of normalcy that that we you know end up actually losing this game because I think that that would be disastrous for the way that this team is set up and and honestly the, the Big Twelve title chances because you know say what you will about how good Kansas State is this year. Like if there is a road win that you're supposed to get, this is the one that you're supposed to get. All right, Kyle. Um, anything else that we need to say about this this Kansas State team before we get out here for the day? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think so. I think I'll just reiterate your point. I think if you're going to win the Big Twelve, you know that you the road is it's all about road wins um, because Baylor is still. I don't. I don't think you can expect them to drop any more at home uh, than they already did. And, and, you know, Kansas is going to hold serve. It, it just makes it that much tougher because I, I know this point has been beaten to death, but a, a lot of these players haven't been in the full capacity environments these last few years to know what it's like when you have a ravenous student section going against you and you're trying to shoot free throws. Like it's just been the last two years have just been so weird and, and surreal that, yeah, it becomes cliche, but it really is one of those things where it's, it's harder to play on the road this year than it has been the last couple of years. And so that, I think that's like the mantra, yeah, for this kind of stretch is even at K-State, you know that the fans are going to be nuts and they're going to have signs and they're going to have chance and that how well mentally can you kind of lock in and push out all the noise and get the job done, knowing that there is a huge week next week that can really set the stage when you have Texas Tech coming back uh, and try to get revenge. And then obviously Kentucky is going to be the only thing anyone talks about from Tuesday on next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to kind of see how, how that goes. Obviously the, the Texas Tech rematch uh, is coming up on big Monday next week and then it's Kentucky. So it's going to be an interesting week next week. Um, I, I know that a lot of Kansas fans were hoping that Kansas would be in striking distance for the uh, overall all-time wins lead. And obviously that's not going to happen because I think Kentucky's still three up and that would be the third game. So Kentucky would have to lose two straight and Kansas would have to win two straight and then go and beat Kentucky as well. But game day is coming to town for that game. I'm sure we will talk a whole bunch about that next week um, as well. Before we do get out of here, just a, a few things to kind of wrap up other things that are happening around the conference. I'm sorry, around the athletic program. Uh, you know, Kansas women, uh, they, they, they do play against Texas tech this weekend. Um, they are actually at home as well. Uh, on Saturday, I'm sorry, they're at home on Saturday. Kansas men's team is not, 
but they will be hosting Texas Tech this Saturday at, at 4 p.m. So if you have the opportunity to get out there and support them, definitely highly recommend that. The As we talked about in the last episode, um, you know, this this team is, is, I think, overperforming or outperforming the expectations and are, you know, are actually in the thick of the conference race at this point um, with, with Iowa State dealing with some COVID issues with some of their their top players. It's it's allowing them to come back to the pack to allow, you know, a Kansas to be competitive. They just have to make sure that the the loss of Kansas State, especially the way they fought back from that from that huge deficit. I mean, uh, you know, Kansas was down 16 points uh, early in the fourth quarter and was able to battle back, tie the game and actually, you know, be in it all the way through to the end. So um, a huge, huge performance for them on Wednesday. Uh, you know, they do have a, a very interesting stretch coming up with Texas Tech and then uh, going on the road to Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Um, in terms of other sports that we have, women's, uh, a, a whole bunch of them are going to be picking back up later or, or early February. Uh, women's golf picks back up, not this weekend, but or I'm sorry. Yes, this weekend on the 23rd and 24th, uh, they are going to be out in Arizona uh, with their with their first match of the spring season. Uh, the, the tennis team has already started. Uh, they had a couple matches already in their spring season um they're you know their their actual first or i'm sorry yeah they had the san diego invitational i don't have the full slate of of the performances but definitely follow the ku tennis um the twitter account over there to get all of the results as they come in i am i am looking to try to bring uh to bring a guest on to talk about the tennis team i know that we did that a couple of years ago and it's I, I think that this team the way they performed last year is, is definitely worthy of of some of the time that we have here to be talking about them but uh actually starting tomorrow or i guess t- today from when this episode will actually drop um you know kansas is actually down playing tulsa uh on the road starting at 1 p.m on friday um then they have the ita kickoff weekend which is the official you know kickoff to the spring semester uh that will be coming up starting on the 28th against baylor so lots of lots of tennis action coming up here um well we we actually are we we do have just also a little bit of podcast business here. We do actually have some changes coming to the podcast format. Um, I, I kind of uh, hinted at those a little bit over on Twitter. Uh, I will give you guys more details about that as, as they are actually available, but just be on the lookout. Probably the beginning of next month, there might be a, an actual format change of the podcast. Uh, like I said, I'll give you guys a lot more details once I actually have them and everything's been finalized, but definitely be looking for some, some big new things to be coming from the podcast here. So, uh, but that is going to do it for us today. Uh, Kyle, before we get out of here, where can everybody find your work online? Uh, well, I mean, definitely go, go to rock talk talk, uh, and, and search for anything, uh, uh, with Kyle underscore Davis 21. Uh, last piece was about David McCormick's offensive rebounding and how he could end. And then of course he got one offensive rebound against Oklahoma. So I'm yeah. going to just completely ignore the timing there, but uh, Twitter is at Kyle Davis 21. Feel free to give me a follow. Uh, I'm not going to talk cricket or anything like fetch, but if we want to talk some, some footy as well, then, then, you know, jump on there, but uh, yeah, hopefully uh, have some other pieces coming up soon. I uh, got a couple of ideas brewing. So uh, definitely keep checking back and hopefully, I don't curse any more players by writing about them. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, thanks for, thanks for joining me today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do uh, go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. We really do 
uh, bring the, the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can email me at rockchalkpodcast at email.com, or you can contact me on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Give us a rating and a review. Uh, you can do that now, not only on Apple Podcasts, but also on Spotify to give that rating. Uh, we would love five stars. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just just let us know what it is. We can be doing better. So um, we are part of the 1012 Network, as I've said here multiple times. We have a bunch of great shows. We actually are adding a brand new one covering Iowa State as well. Um, you know, that, that news actually leaked earlier this week. Um, not exactly sure when that one's launching, but as I've said multiple times, the you know the work we do over there on the podcast network is the best way for you to stay up to date on everything happening in the conference, especially knowing how that's going to affect the Kansas Jayhawks coming up. So it's it's you know it's it's a great fantastic way to stay up to date with everything on all the opponents that that Kansas is going to see throughout the season. So head on over to uh, ten one two network over on Twitter to get links to all the great shows that we have over there. We are on the Anchor platform, uh, so you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show so you can ask me a question or whatever it is you want to do. Um, make make sure you go out and visit our great sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Absolutely love working with them. And like I said, you're going to love the stuff that you get from them. Promo code CHALK12 will get you that 15% off uh, on, on on that first order. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Kyle, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Big tween tube. Okay. Uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 network along with the rest of their already great lineup of big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is bear and at Evan a bear, uh, sick bears. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.